Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we're talking with Eva Klein, a sleep consultant who chats with us about what a sleep consultant does, when you would think about hiring one, and she busts some myths people have about sleep training. If you want to connect with her, you can check out her website. It is mysleepingbaby.com. Eva is also one of our amazing guest experts in our mommy mentorship program. If you haven't already heard about this, it's our program we've created to help new moms on their journey from their third trimester through their first year of motherhood. We have guest experts on all the key topics. We have month by month information packages so that you have the answers you need when you need it. Our private Facebook support group has amazing new moms who are living similar experiences. And of course, Every week, Katie and I go live in our group and we chat with the ladies and answer questions they have. It's basically a live podcast, only the ladies watching can chat and ask questions. It's a lot of fun and Katie and I always say that our favorite night of the week is Wednesday night because that is the night that we go live in our group. The moms in the group are feeling really supported and the ladies themselves are amazing women who are very open and candid about their experiences so that everyone is supporting each other. It is a really awesome group. If this is something that interests you, there is more information on our website, bestlifemomsclub.com. With that, we hope you enjoy this episode. So what does a sleep consultant do? Yes. So I help exhausted moms get their little ones, babies, toddlers, and preschoolers consistently sleeping 11 to 12 hours at night so they can be functioning humans. That is my zone of genius. You can't function without sleep, right? It's a basic human necessity that we all need to be able to survive, right? Let alone thrive. And then without a proper night's sleep, you're not functioning. You're you're barely surviving the day. You're barely getting through the day without collapsing. And and it's awful. So I I help these exhausted moms get their lives back. And every mother is an exhausted mom. <laughs> At some yes, point, but they right? don't have yeah. to be. They yeah. don't have to be if they don't want to be. You know, the the jokes that we make about, you know, the tired mom, the tired mom memes. Listen, when you have a newborn, yes, a certain level of exhaustion is inevitable, but Thankfully, the newborn stage is temporary. You know, it's a few months and then your baby is now an infant and infants do not have to be waking up their parents multiple times all night long if they're healthy. 
what would you classify as out of the newborn into an infant stage? Like at what, as a sleep consultant, what mm-hmm. kind of age bracket would you see the, the difference? Like by 16 weeks, by 16 weeks is when a baby, 16 weeks corrected. If a baby is premature, we go by the corrected age. That's when a baby is able to learn how to sleep independently. And so very often by that age, we start to see babies waking very frequently at night, not because they're hungry, not because they're hot or cold or scared or, you know, need their mom necessarily, but they're waking up because they need help to fall back to sleep because they don't know how to fall asleep on their own to begin with. And so 16, 17 weeks or, you know, close to that four month mark is when we can start teaching those little ones how to sleep independently so that they can learn how to stay asleep and only wake up when they really need to be waking up, like to eat, for example. So is that kind of the age that you would start at is 16 weeks then? That's the earliest that I would work with someone in that capacity, you know, in in terms of in terms of being able to help with the sleep training. um, Yes, that's the earliest, you know, in my sleep Bible coaching program, the first track that I have, I've got four tracks for four different age ranges. And the first track is for four to six month olds. What would make a four a mother like a a mother of a four month old make the you know, make the contact of, I need a sleep consultant. Right. Well, cause you, yeah, the thing is at the four month mark, there's a lot that happens developmentally. So first of all, at the four month mark is when we typically see a very well-known regression where maybe the baby has been sleeping you know, decently until that point. And then all of a sudden, baby is starting to take longer to fall asleep, needs more help to fall asleep, is waking up more frequently at night. And what happens around the four month mark, it's on the surface, it looks like a regression, but I hate calling it a regression because a regression implies that it's a temporary um, phase that you just have to ride out and then with time, don't worry, things are going to go right back to normal, except that that's not the case because for better or for worse, your baby is not going back to being a newborn. <laughs> your baby is now an infant. And what happens by that mark is they their sleep cycles mature and become more adult-like. So they now begin to cycle in and out of deep and light sleep just the way that adults do. Um, And so when you have a baby cycling in and out of deep and light sleep every 45 minutes, and they don't know how to sleep independently, then you can find yourself waking up with your baby every few sleep cycles, every other sleep cycle sometimes. I mean, that's what was happening with my middle child. She was the one that got me into this business. At four months, she was waking up every 90 minutes all night long, literally every other sleep cycle, because she did not know how to sleep independently. And so that's when I get a lot of moms who know that this is the age that we can make really big changes. And this is an age where we often experience a really big regression. So I would say that that's probably one of the more common timeframes that I get people reaching out. So do you find that with the different sleep regressions, which is what they've been labeled by just people in general, right? Do you find at those particular intervals is when you get most of your clients? Like you'll probably get some right away at like four months, but then at the other sleep regressions, 
are those kind of like popular times to turn to a sleep consultant? I know they can do it at any time, but yeah, there's yeah, problems. Yeah, it's then, a right? good question. I so I definitely get a lot of people, you know, reaching out and joining my my sleep bible coaching program at the four month mark. I also get, you know, considering I'm I'm also based here in Canada, I get a lot of people reaching out around the nine, 10, 11 month mark, because these moms know, you know, from other Canadian moms, mm -hmm. they're headed back to work soon. That was and me. So that's yeah. And so that the, the the back to work situation is kind of their reality check where they're going, OK, I'm barely surviving right now, but I haven't bothered to change things because of, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. But now with work coming very, very soon where I'm going to need to be able to use my brain and I'm going to have to be in clothes by 8.30 in the morning, I can't be in my pajamas until noon. Okay, let's pretend like COVID isn't in this situation because, okay, fine, I guess <laughs> I guess with working in your Zoom office, it's a little bit different. But like, let's assume that this is a temporary situation that eventually people are going to have to be in clothes again and in an office. Um, it's bloody exhausting to have to do that when you have a baby that's waking you very regularly all night long. And so I get a lot of people reaching out at that mark. And it's interesting. I find with that theme, I, whenever I have a mom calling me with a baby in the five to six month mark, telling me that she's going back to work soon, immediately I'm thinking, are you a doctor? Or I even say, sometimes I even ask like, oh, are you a doctor? Because for some reason, you know, doctors in Canada, they tend to be able to, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't know the ins and outs, but typically they take something like six or seven months off uh, because that's how the system works in terms of getting a doctor to fill in for them while they're off. And so it's the same thing where they know, okay, baby is six or seven months. I'm going back to work soon. I need to use my brain and my brain isn't working when I'm not sleeping. So I would say it's those specific timeframes. Other than that, I really don't think that there is you know, any other specific milestone that is more common for people to reach out. I think a lot of the time it comes down to their level of readiness, um, which is so personal, right? You know, for whatever reason, maybe baby's sleep was okay and then it got worse, or maybe it was always really, really bad, but the sleep deprivation just finally caught up to them and they kind of hit rock bottom. Um, or maybe I get a lot of moms reaching out with toddlers because they had another baby and the toddler's sleep went down the toilet and so now they have a toddler and a newborn waking them up so there's there's all kinds of you know i would say common scenarios that i see but what the common denominator amongst all of them is their current scenario is not working for them anymore and they know that there is a solution because getting help from a sleep professional has thankfully become more and more mainstream and so people are quickly realizing that they don't have to live this way just because my mom or my mother-in-law was, you know, a bloody zombie of a mommy, you know, for years on end. It doesn't mean that we have to live like that because we know more, we know more than our parents did when they were raising us. Right. So oh, that's a really good point. And like, that was totally me. Like a week before I went back to work with Finn after Finn, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Getting like two hours interrupted like total a night oh my gosh I was just like I can't do this anymore like and I have to go teach like I can't yeah like, so 
so I was desperate like a week before I was I made contact with a consultant and before I had met you and mm-hmm. and uh yeah like it was a lifesaver it was a game changer it really was and it was I was just like why did I not do this earlier like why did I not do it but it was amazing but that leads a really good like that segues really well into like my next question is like what does a sleep consultant actually like do what would somebody expect because when I was first told about a sleep consultant I was just like I don't want somebody coming in my house in the middle of the night is that what all sleep consultants do or No, not at all. And it happens to be that um, my business has really not been impacted by COVID whatsoever, which I am incredibly grateful for because the coaching that I do with my clients and my and my Sleep Bible members is all virtual. It's all, you know, online or over the phone, you know, depending on our arrangement. And so what 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 I do, I mean, the way that the way that my online program works. There's four phases that I have my moms go through. So, and it's the same process when I'm working with people one-on-one. So phase one is what I like to call the foundations phase. So laying those sleep foundations. What is your little one's sleep environment like? What is their daytime nutrition like? Do you have routines in place? You know, do you have that kind of structure down pat? The next stage is what kind of schedule is your little one on? So we have to make sure a lot of people don't know, but what goes on during the day directly impacts what happens at night. And so it's absolutely crucial to make sure that your little one is awake when she needs to be awake, is napping when she needs to be napping, and goes to bed for the night when she needs to go to bed for the night. Because what can happen is if she's out for a period of time that's too long, she's going to get overtired. And if babies get overtired, it causes sleep to go down the toilet. Because what happens is overtiredness causes our stress levels, our cortisol to spike. And so when we have higher levels of cortisol in our system, it makes it significantly harder to wind down, fall asleep and stay asleep. And so to expect a baby to be sleeping consistently through the night when they're taking, you know, 20 minute cat naps during the day on the go at like random times and then going to bed way too late, it's not going to happen because that's part of the problem. And so we need to make sure that that's addressed. So that's the second stage that I take my moms through. The third stage is teaching your little one how to sleep. So that's where the sleep training comes in, you know, and there's a multitude of options that you can use that will get you to that exact same endpoint. You know, there's no one size fits all here, right? And then the last stage is the maintenance. So we got your little one sleeping. Now we got to keep your little one sleeping. So that's the whole process that we go through, you know, set those foundations, get your little one on a solid schedule, start teaching them how to sleep independently and then maintain it. I, I'm glad, like, I like your third stage where you had said like the, your third stage is like the train is like the teaching to sleep, right? Yeah. Um, and I like how you said that there's a multiple multitude of different strategies because I think when you, when some people say sleep consultant, I think, uh, or sleep training, people automatically think going to the cry it out method and are like, I can't yeah. do it, which I don't blame them at all. Like cry it out is a hard, I really struggled mm-hmm. with, with it, but, yeah. um, I like that you said that there's different 
strategies and different techniques because so that people know that it's not just a cry it out method. Totally. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you don't want to put your baby in the crib, say goodnight, leave the room and not go until the morning, you don't have to, you know, that's a very human way to react to that sort of thing. And I, and I just want to emphasize that I don't think, I don't think it's bad if you go that approach either. I mean, listen, it's not one of my go-to approaches, but you know, sometimes people might end up going, going that route at some point. And um, if it's within your comfort zone, you know, go for it. Right. But I would say the majority of people that reach out are looking for, they're not looking to get their little one sleeping in three months. <laughs> they want to get their little one sleeping ASAP, but they don't want to do cry it out. And so there are other approaches that you can use that allow you to be there in a supportive manner to intervene in some way so that your baby is not left figuring this whole process out completely on his own. Okay. So I know some people who have had horrible sleepers and, but they, you know, even when it's suggested that they're going, you know, you should try a sleep consultant, they're, they're against it. Have you ever come across, or do you know, like, why are some of the reasons why people don't make contact or are hesitant to connect with a sleep consultant? Yeah, that's a good one. So I'll tell you, first of all, I do think that there is this false belief that some babies are just not sleepers. And that's what they'll tell themselves. Or maybe their parents, you know, with the best of intentions, will say, oh, yeah, you weren't a sleeper. And so I guess little Johnny, you know, isn't going to be a good sleeper either. And the thing is, is that that's a myth right? Here's, here's the reality. The reality is that sleep is a skill that comes more naturally to some babies and, and children than it does to others, but it doesn't mean that they can't be taught. It just means that the babies that aren't as good at sleeping need more coaching to get there. So I can tell you on a personal note, my oldest baby, who's now nine, <laughs> my, my nine-year-old baby, she was that unicorn baby that made me look good. You know, those, you know, those ones, she's, she was that baby that made me look like mom of the year. And she's now the nine-year-old that makes me look like mom of the year. And she naturally was a fantastic sleeper. And then my middle child had a very, very different temperament, very high needs, needed to be held, you know, colic, reflux. She would go from zero to 10 at the drop of a hat. And then all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, I mean, naturally, she wasn't a great sleeper at all. You know, my, my oldest was never waking me up every 90 minutes all night long. But let me tell you, by the time my middle child was six months, she was sleeping as, as well, if not better, than how my older daughter was sleeping at that age. Why? Because I knew what I was doing. I knew how to get her sleeping and I knew what kind of schedule she needed and I knew what kind of routines she needed and I knew how to get her sleeping versus with my older one, I was flying by the seat of my pants, but it was good enough because she was a naturally great sleeper. And so with my middle child, it just meant I wasn't able to get away with certain things the way that I could with my older one who didn't really have a schedule or a routine. And, you know, we were just kind of lackadaisical and it worked. 
So I think that a lot of moms are kind of paralyzed because they're they're afraid to try something because they don't want to make matters worse. They're exhausted as it is, and they're afraid that if they put forth all this effort, it's going to be for nothing, and then they're going to end up being more exhausted and more tired. And I want to just tell, you know, those moms, if that's what your concern is, if you have a proper plan in place and it's done consistently and it's done correctly, you know, the correct thing, it's one thing to be consistent. It's another thing to do something consistently, but incorrect, right? Then you're obviously not going to get results. But that's where my, my, that's why I take my moms through step-by-step exactly what they have to do in my program so that we've got a correct plan in place so that they know exactly what they need to do. Your little one is not an alien. He can absolutely learn how to sleep. He just needs that coaching. So that's one thing that I would say is, you know, a huge source of of hesitations for parents to reach out. I think another source of hesitation is that, unfortunately, the term sleep training in certain circles, I would say, has a bit of a bad rep because there are all kinds of completely unfounded um, garbage myths around the quote unquote dangers of sleep training. And I think that it is naturally going to going to be very scary, you know, to hear, oh my gosh, if I, if I sleep train my baby and I take my baby out of my bed and I put her in her crib and I do, and I teach her how to sleep, which is going to involve her crying, then I'm going to scar her for life. And there's nothing that makes my blood boil more than that because there is no evidence to back that up whatsoever. It's a theory, right? And are you allowed to have a theory? Sure. But if you state it as a fact, then you need to have evidence to back that up. And when you don't have evidence to back it up, now you're manipulating people. And you're manipulating people when they're at their most vulnerable, right? Because who are, when you think of who are, who are most vulnerable, it is exhausted postpartum moms, exhausted, chronically sleep deprived postpartum moms who, by the way, also have cortisol levels that are spiked completely through the roof, who are so exhausted, who are in this, you know, fog that when they're hearing this sort of thing, they're, you're, one's ability to think critically is going to be diminished because you're so exhausted and so stressed. And so it pulls at your heartstrings like, oh yeah, your kid is going to be traumatized for life. And it causes attachment issues. If you do any form of sleep training, when really the reality is that not only is there no evidence to back that up, but we actually have really solid evidence to back up that sleep training is safe. (laughs) Like we have controlled blinded studies that have looked at a big group of babies that were sleep trained, a big group of babies that were not. And then they were followed until age five or six, where you can see if there are signs of attachment issues and they did not see any signs, any cause, you know, any correlation or connection whatsoever between the babies that were sleep trained, the babies that were not the six-year-olds that were thriving and the six-year-olds that appeared to be struggling. So as I said before, it, it makes my blood boil um, because I think it's one thing for someone to say, Hey, you know, we offer a different approach to sleep training for those of you that don't want to do it. 
cool. That's awesome. But if your different approach, if your philosophy and your marketing tactics involve bashing something like something that obviously I do that I fully support 100% because I see how much benefit it has and I know how safe it is. It angers me to the core because it is full blown manipulation. Mm -hmm. So it happens to be, I actually, I actually interviewed on my podcast, I interviewed a psychologist who specializes in perinatal mental health. And we spoke about all this specific topic in more detail. She really, really delved into it because in her practice, she is a huge proponent of her clients reaching out for help because it means that either they get themselves sleeping and then all of a sudden mentally they're no longer struggling because they now have sleep and the root of the problem was sleep deprivation by itself. And now they no longer need help. Or if they're still struggling, it means that you can actually now do the work and actually be able to do therapy properly and work on healing and work on making your life better now that you're actually having a proper sleep. And so these theoretical risks that again, are not proven. There's zero evidence when you compare those with real actual risks of chronic sleep deprivation that we know for a fact exist. To me, it's a very unfair, um, just, just completely inappropriate statement to be making to a, to a very, very vulnerable population. So it angers me. And, um, that's, that's basically, that's, that is, I, I could continue to go down this rabbit hole as you can see, because it angers me to the core. Do you have one example of a time where you helped a mom and baby get on the proper sleep schedule that you, that was challenging, but made you feel invigorated and you were so excited that you were able to help this mom and her baby? Yeah. So I'll tell you one, one, um, sleep Bible member of mine who stands out, uh, she at the time had a 14 month old girl who was really struggling in the sleep department, did not know how to fall asleep on her own, was waking very frequently at night. Um, and this mom at the time was also pregnant with her second at the time. So, you know, that was, so we talk, we talk about, you know, why people reach out for help. That's another really common scenario scenario is they're expecting another baby and they don't know how they're going to handle two babies waking them up at night. On top of that, this 14 month old was also struggling in two other areas. She was struggling with her gross motor skills. So she was, you know, barely moving. You know, I know they say that by 12 months, you, you want to see a baby crawling. I think she was just beginning to crawl, but she was very behind and she was also struggling with eating. So the mom had actually been consulting with a pediatric dietitian because she was very concerned that she was barely eating any solid food. She was well over a year, you know, 14 months and still relying a lot on, you know, bottles and formula for her daily nutritional intake. To make a very long story short, when we got her sleeping through the night, she no longer needed help from this pediatric dietitian because her food intake went up substantially because we forget that for these babies, eating is work, 
right? For us adults, eating is effortless, completely effortless. But we have to remember for them when they're, you know, using that pincer grasp and they're concentrating on picking up that piece of food and putting it in their mouth and chewing it and swallowing it and whatnot, there's a lot that goes on. And so when you're exhausted and when this baby was exhausted, she was basically going like, oh, to heck with that. I, I can't, I don't have the energy for it. Just give me a bottle. That's way easier. Just give me a bottle. Suddenly, she was, she was no longer sleep deprived, this baby. And she, now she was curious, Hey, this little, you know, this mushed up tomato on my high chair. I wonder what this feels like in my hands. I wonder what this feels like in my mouth. And suddenly she became a really, really great eater. And then also within a couple weeks of us getting her sleeping through the night, she started walking. So the amount of development that stemmed from that came right after we got her sleeping is massive. Now, obviously I'm sure you can say, well, just because one thing happened after the other doesn't mean that one thing caused the other, except that we know for a fact that when you're sleep deprived, it can absolutely impact eating and it can absolutely impact gross motor skills. So that particular scenario, helping that particular family really made me go, wow, gosh, do I love what I do. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Big, that's a big wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a um, reason to feel proud on that one. I do have a question for you, Eva. So like being that you are you are in Canada working, is, can anyone, can you work with anyone in the world? Like mm -hmm. if they were to reach out and contact you, there's no like, like you know, because your program is online, that yeah. gives that av availability. But um, like, you know, geographical... There are no geographical limitations? No, not at all. I, I've worked with people in Australia. I've worked with people in Singapore. I've worked with people in Israel. I've worked with people, you know, in various countries in Europe, where as long as you've got an internet connection, <laughs> a, a computer or a phone and, you know, a way to, you know, be able to, if you're in my, my coaching program, to be able to go through my modules, you have a Facebook account, so you can, you know, access the Facebook group for coaching. And, uh, and if we're working together one-on-one, -on -one, as long as you've got a phone and an email that works, and again, a reliable internet, internet connection, I can help you anywhere. So where can people find you? Um, yeah, you can find me at mysleepingbaby.com. And if you want to get started, finally getting your little one consistently sleeping through the night, I've got a free masterclass that you can watch that will take you through the three biggest mistakes that I find exhausted moms make when trying to get their little one sleeping, what you can do instead. And you can learn more about my step-by-step -step method, how you specifically can implement it in your life so that you can finally get your little one consistently sleeping through the night. So you can go back to being a functioning human again. And also... You, Eva, are our, our sleep consult, like our sleep guest expert that we have in our mommy mentorship program. So yes, you also have a special masterclass that you do just for our members as well. Yes, that's awesome. You guys should go check it out. Well, thank you for doing this. Awesome. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. 
We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.